Hello, friends. Welcome to Love Service Wisdom with Rada Wepner. I am in conversation with my sweetie, my beloved Krishna for another Radha Krishna roundtable that we recorded in September. Looking forward to sharing this conversation with all of you. It's always, I don't know, just a treat to um, kind of have open discourse with him. I think that sometimes you get to learn more about me and what's going on in my life and our relationship and dynamic and gives you like an inside glimpse into our lives. So lucky you, if you like that kind of stuff, it's sort of like, I don't know, the OC, but Boise Radha Krishna version of it. We are on the heels of our uh, spirit dive retreat that we just finished in Boulder, Utah. That was two years in the making. It was our fifth uh, spirit dive retreat. 2020 got postponed. And so here we were able to dive in again with about 40 incredible folks from all over the country. It was probably our biggest group yet definitely our most diverse and just the kindest, sweetest, um, most grounded group of people. I couldn't be more grateful for everyone that was there. And as we were starting the retreat, you know, we of course begin with intention settings and why are you here and what seeds are you planting, that kind of thing. And what was coming up for me was not necessarily something for myself. Like I'm not, I didn't really have a big question in my own life, like, where, like, a, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? The questions we have, am I doing the right thing? What is my purpose? What should I blah, 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 blah. Am I in the right relationship? Should things change, etc. I didn't have that going on. It was just what was coming through was this feeling of sacred humanity and the living into whatever that means. So it was like a feeling that came through the seed that I planted. And then as we went through the next three days together, what emerged was that we can level up in that way. But when I say level up, I mean return, return to living in connection with the earth and each other and God, whatever that means to us, and know that our human incarnation is sacred. That, yes, it includes profane aspects or challenging aspects, but in and of itself, it's an incredibly sacred gift. And what would it be like if we lived every moment or began every day or ended every day with remembering that, that being human, being alive, and all of its ups and downs is sacred and such a gift. So I'm still, I'm still, I'm still in that feeling and remembering it in my own life and definitely feeling it here as I get back to Boise and it's fall and the, there's so many trees of different colors, red, orange, yellow, pink, green, still brown, everything and the air is crisp and the, the blue skies are revealed again behind the smoke that was um, over us almost all summer long. So it's a feeling of hope and gratitude and sacred, sacredness every day. And I'm, I'm attempting every day 
to get outside, at least for a little bit, to just simply even go on a walk, whether it's in the foothills or taking the dogs on a walk or maybe tossing the football with little Benji that we love to do together. So I can, I can be in this environment that fills me up. The earth does it so much, so much for me. So sacred humanity, my prayer for you, my prayer for the collective and the earth's prayer for us in a way, like if we could wake up to that and our reconnection to her, we, um, we would certainly live not just on the planet, but with the planet and all of creation. <sighs> all right. And I, I know a couple times in the past, I've had my dear Rainbow Eric on the podcast, and we've talked about upcoming retreats or upcoming trainings that we're doing together. And just so you guys know, or just so you folks know, I apologize, say, I say you guys, and I'm not supposed to use that <clears throat> gender specific term anymore, but it flows out of me naturally and I catch it as often as I can. Anyways, you folks, um, February 19th through the 23rd, you could join Eric and I in Teotihuacan, Mexico for a super special retreat along the Toltec tradition, like Toltec wisdom meets yogic science meets tantra meets um, heart opening. It's called Sacred Heart Journey. And you can find more about that on my website, marissarada.com. Underneath the events tab, there's just two spots left for that retreat in February. If you've got more questions about it, you can feel free to email me too at uh, let's go to rada at eastforest.org, not.com.org. And with that too, here's my my, my, um, I don't know how to describe this conversation. What's the qualifier I want to use? My interesting conversation with East Forest. With another Radha Krishna Roundtable, September 2021, uh, exploring the far reaches and the near reaches of the new sphere. Remember that term? I do remember that. <laughs> We're term. taking things back yeah. to 2012. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> the N Rainbow Bridge. Yeah, N O O S, right? Yes. Yeah, the yes. new sphere. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was like a or like a toroidal field rainbow in the shape of a heart through the uh, planet. Yeah, and hold well, on, I'm just adjusting some audio. Some of this had to do with uh, the rain, the rainbow bridge was uh, Jose Arguelles. <laughs> Jose Arguelles, right? And the harmonic convergence yes. and the mind factor. I got deep. He once upon a time. I heard a talk of his. Uh, I was a big fan of the psychedelic salon. Still am, but there was a time where early on in my process around 2008, 2009, man, I listened to a lot of psychedelic salon talks with Lorenzo. Yeah. Shout out to Lorenzo. Yeah, I got to turn you on. Keep talking. I got to turn you down. <laughs> okay. Am I too loud now? No, you're fine. It's me. Lorenzo Hagri. Yeah. 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 Um, and he's been on the show, by the way. It's one of the early episodes. He's he's sort of a godfather of the psychedelic scene. But I remember Jose had this talk he gave, and there was this, there was this point in it where he was talking about the Rainbow Bridge, and he was really into it. And he was so earnest, and there was this point where he's like, 
we can we can do this. We can do the Rainbow Bridge. We can do this. And that line really stuck with me. And that's I owe to Jose the inspiration when I tell people through myself to say, you know, we can do this. We can do this. Because it's sort of like someone's got to be the cheerleader at times and pick up that baton and be like, hey, guys, you and know, he, I might have doubt myself, but we can do this. Yeah. The courage to stand on the fringe and be a leader. I mean, he was in lots of ways. He helped create Earth Day. Yeah. And he was a professor back at uh, what's Evergreen State College in Oregon. The, his book, Surfers of the Zeruya, was one of my most favorite early mm. New Age books. Well, may he rest in peace. Yeah, he uh, unfortunately passed away before the 2012, December 21st, 2012. Yeah. It was disappointing that he didn't, for me, I mean... That's just how I felt. Yeah. And we, so we want to get into what's going on, but it's interesting that we're talking about 2012 because I, in some ways I've noticed there's been. Yeah. Uh, I didn't anticipate you bringing that up. Well, the Daniel Pinchbeck was bringing back his book I th- or something. I saw him. The Return of Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and what it made me think about was like the themes that came up during that time, what kind of relevancy they might have now, roughly, you know, nine, 10 years later. And, a lot of them, it's sort of they were the early harbingers of things we're still talking about. But some people kind of threw it all out because they're like, well, you know. Nothing <laughs> happened. But or what happened? Of course it did. I mean, I we're, know. You could yeah. say we're clearly in the middle of, or not middle, but we're clearly in the midst of an absolute, undeniable collapse and transition. You could look at it like a collapse. You could also look at it, I like to look at it like a sunrise, Versus like going into darkness, things are collapsing, like the tower to Rokard, more like the dawn. Well, to have a dawn on the other side of the planet, right? It's the sunset. And so I just sort of see True. it as not negative or positive, but like it's hand in hand. In order for us to have the revelation, the newness, the new world, the new earth, we have to let go of the old earth in a sense. We have to let things fall apart. And things so are falling that's apart. the thing we can agree on is things, things are, are falling, falling apart. apart. Yes. And so it uh, creates a lot a of angst. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I was speaking to yesterday with you, just that energy of being pissed off too, because things are falling apart. Okay. Sh- Rada, tell us about that. I mean, you've been at times, you are normally a very positive, uh, pretty light person, but you have a sharp edge to you, which is a beautiful thing about you. But I've noticed that some things about the pandemic have made you feel angry at times. And I'm not saying it's a one-to-one, like it's the pandemic that makes you angry. But, and well, I was... Anger is different than pissed off. It has a, its own type right, well, of flavor. Tell me what you're feeling. Let me, instead of me putting emotions <laughs> okay, in your mouth. Um, I think it's like many people where... It's exhausting that it's the center point of our lives and it has been for so long Mm -hmm. and it's something that's so divisive and unclear and doesn't have real boundaries or definitions or agreements and it pisses me off that it gets to take, it's like, I don't know, that like annoying person who won't get off stage. Where it's like, I don't want to pay attention to you anymore. And I, and then maybe that's really cold and heartless for me to say. This is not how I feel all of the time. So coronavirus has been on stage too long. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no more encores. Yes, we're, we're done. done. Go we're home. Done. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> next, whatever the thing might be. And so 
it's just a fatigue. Again, I think I'm not the only one to feel this way. That it's... And not that I think that we could, quote unquote, move on, right? But that even just talking about it is so exhausting. And here we are again talking about it. You know what? We don't need to talk about the artist formerly known as covid much longer uh <laughs> we can we can move on from the for this this table but it, it is it's more we were saying yesterday it's in some ways less about uh the artist formerly known as covid and it's more about the uh systemic feelings that that's revealing so in some ways we're misdirecting on the yeah. surface level angry, yes. If, if anything, the surface level anger gets to be about mass and the, are you vaxxed or you're well, not. For me, but it's the anger, the pissed off is about the fact that it's still so central. Whether or not it's vaxxed or unvaxxed or mass or not mass, that doesn't, it's the act that's because it creates it. polarity. Yeah. Because it's creating polarity and everyone else is getting pissed off in their own way. I feel like pissed off is the current vibration, the underlying current of most people to some degree that we're all kind of sharing in that is pisses me off. And I was saying, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday that for me, I I see that flavor of emotion, but I also feel it's more like people not, it's it's sort of like an unconscious rage that's coming out because we're not fully uh, voicing the elephant in the room, which is that all of our ways of being are ending. So it's not just about if anything the totally. the, the the c word is <laughs> covering up. It's like a fog that's really distracting us in a way from the fact that we have so many other crises at hand. And we know that on some level in our bodies and our souls and our minds. So we start to project, in a sense, all these forms of pissed offness yeah, and polarization. Yeah, but that's the piece, too, where you're saying we have all these forms of crises. That's true on one hand. And the other hand, like the sunset, sunrises, there's so many things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And there's so much beauty and, you know, magic in everyday moments and simplicity and joy and that feels like it's being overshadowed or in some ways even taken away or limited to a greater capacity. Mm. The just enjoyment of life. Well, it's... And we want crises. It, we want it now. And it's sort of like... We I, want I, what now? We like we want to... People want to do the things they want to do. And on some level, it's just like these things take time. You know, we're in a we're in a transitionary time where I don't even mean that though. I just mean because people are, can get so caught up in what's wrong or the problems that they fail to see what's working and what is good and what they do have. Sure. We need a gratitude journals for sure. I mean there's with all apocalypse the kind of unveiling it's there's it's in equal measure in a lot of ways if you really look at it. You know, mm-hmm. with the things that are composting, there's so yes. much new growth at the same time. And even with the Titanic sinking, uh, the Roman Empire of, you know, the Ameripoxicana Ameri- going down, it's there's also like beautiful sunsets and people fall in love and uh, beautiful works of art are created. All this is happening at the same time. And revelation from the heart out from people, individuals at a time will continue to happen. And Weddings I, I, and babies are still happening. Yeah, and I think it's happening 
um, more that there's there's more revelation and more change and more empowerment of people. It doesn't look like that on the surface because that's not what we glorify um, as a culture in our media. But I think as we would both say, haven't you noticed that like just people you talk to on an individual level, almost every single person is facing their own reckonings in different ways. Everyone's gotten deeper. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So imagine that's happening roughly around the world. But as you go deeper, where do you go? Into the shadow. Yeah. So you've been doing a lot of work, uh, some training, uh, trauma-informed training for therapy. Yeah, somatic experiencing. Right. Practitioner training. And there's a good argument that, you know, the front line of the work we're going to be doing moving forward or need to do is basically all of us working with our different kinds of traumas in order to move forward and heal. That's, that is the way through. Yeah. And (laughs) so it's amazing and beautiful and wonderful and we're doing it. What did Jose say? We can do this. Basically you can do it. You can can do do this. this. We can do this. And where people are doing it, they are going deeper, pausing, reflecting, then when you do that, things get harder. So what? Do, let's talk about this a little bit. Like when, how how can people on an individual level, without the assistance of someone else, mm. uh, work with this trauma because they want to move forward? Well, I feel like a lot of it is just personal self education of yourself. Like if you as an individual can learn your states, let's say, like how you feel when you feel really calm and relaxed and just like present, that's a state. And then I can tell my state when like, for example, myself, I'm noticing I'm getting really pissed off and agitated and kind of like edgy. That's a different state than my resting, good, peaceful state that I'm in 90% of the time. And so it's like, uh, I'm noticing I'm, I've shifted and that's on me right? Like, why is this happening to me? I, when we were chatting yesterday, I was even like, maybe I'm just PMSing. Right? You, you have to be aware of that. So, Well, that's what I'm saying. So step one. Is knowing your states, mm-hmm. right? And then the other states, the other polarity goes into the hypo-arousal, which is just like depressed, lethargic, tired, detached, you know, zoned out, not, not present in like a shutdown sort of way. So noticing mm-hmm. when you get there. And so you kind of have three levels, normal, relaxed, present, aggressive, hyper, or hypo depressed. And when you're in one of the polarities, the waves are normal up and down throughout life. It's just the spikiness of them. That's not. And so when you spike, to that be a clue to you like, oh, how can I resource myself? How can I self resource if you said that you didn't have assistance of someone right so it's typically can be something simple like maybe i need to eat but maybe i need to drink water connect the dots for me from that the difference between that being like your moods in present moment versus how we're working with uh how trauma is affecting our moods or how we want to heal that well those are it's all interwoven where your trauma response is a survival mechanism of how you got through a past experience one or what didn't get to happen in that past experience that you're kind of still looping and stuck in. And so for a lot of people in a situation where they feel like I can't do anything, I'm helpless, they shut down, right? Or then they kind of literally almost in a way disembody to get through it without feeling or to feel as little as possible. 
And so that's what we might call a mood is actually a trauma state also. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so I would imagine, though, we could have a compounding of many small, large traumas across our lives. Yes, you absolutely so how do. Can we, how can we work to... If trauma, if you say it's a stuck kind of energy, we want to release this kind of energy. What are things we can do on our own on any level to unstuck them? Well, that's what I was speaking to where it's the self-resourcing, right? So first it's noticing that you're in one. And then sometimes it's bringing in the counter energy. Like if I'm in a really, let's say like aggressive, triggered, pissed off state, what could I do that would help soothe me? Like yesterday, you're like, let's go on a bike ride. Or maybe I want to take a bath. Or maybe I want to play with the dogs, like to calm. Or if I'm really depressed, it's like, let's go on a run. You know, let's go do some yoga. Let's get active. Let's get engaged with life. Or it's servicing your body, like eat healthy food, get plenty of rest, exercise, right? Or on like a, a different level, the way that the energy of stress and trauma often moves through the body, whether it's happening in the moment or old, unprocessed, is through what's called a discharge. And a discharge takes the form of like shaking, trembling, quivering, crying. Yeah, that's what I've found helps move traumas. Like if, if something is helping me get into it or the memory, shaking, mm-hmm. tremoring. And that can happen un- like unconsciously. Yeah, so sort of like a, I hear it though. It's a kind of allowing. Totally. Versus yes. not. Yeah, yeah. Trusting what your body wants to do. Like, oh, my body's beginning to tremble right now. Instead of suppressing that, it's like let that play out. Right. Trust the wisdom and the inherent healing capacity for your body, because your body, what does it try to do all the time? Heal you and move towards wholeness, and it's doing that unconsciously. Well, it tries to. Do you think it tries to protect you? Or heal you? Well, I don't think it has protection. I think it has, it's dealing with what's happened to it, right? Like I took Mm. the splinter out of your foot the other day, you know? Cactus barb. Yeah, big giant cactus barb that was like red and angry and pussy because your body was trying to heal itself. It's just that spot on the outside of your foot that it's very difficult to access. Mm Mm-hmm. By yourself. You can't like, because if I turn my leg to the side <laughs> now my whole body's to the side it's one of those problems like you're, yeah you're like this yeah it's it's one it was, of these I, I, well, I can't do that so <laughs> and then it, i can't do very like delicate work to get a cactus barb out of my well that's why you have foot. rada yeah i well, got it right out it took about half a second too i was like oh, i could have done that but i didn't you could ask me sooner yeah, I could have just like shook and tremored until like I hit my foot on something. That and might not have. Out. That's that. That wouldn't probably mm. have worked. But well, anyway, I just I think that's interesting because I, I, we have so many layers of micro traumas and and sometimes major traumas, and the way they inform our actions or avoidances of actions today, and then when we're going through a world where there's so many triggers, essentially. That's not triggering. Trigger The word trigger is a triggering word. I should almost say there's so much change. And we have to be very flexible psychologically. And that's hard to do when you kind of have a ball and chain around your leg 
or a cactus barb in your foot. That's some old trauma that you're like, man, if I could just work through a bit of this, I think I'd be a little stronger to face these tough times. I feel like most people don't even realize, one, that they have them. They really, really don't. They just think this is the way the world is. Yeah. This is the way that I am. This is just what is. Well, if a lot of it's conscious, it's more like, let's say I have an assumption for myself. I'm like, I'm sure I know they're there, but I couldn't write them all down for you. So I could. There's a, there's a, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> there's a frustration that, you know, I think for a lot of people, I bet a lot of listeners are like, well, I want to, but I don't know how to access. I don't know. I don't know the key. I don't even know what it all is. Well, it would a clue would be like I said before, when I'm in my present state, I'm internally resourced. I can feel myself, I can feel my body, and I can feel my feelings, and I can actually feel you. Like I have a resonance with you when I'm in tune. I can feel you. I can feel myself. This is some of the work of Thomas Hubel. I can feel you feeling me. I can feel you feeling me that's kind of next level yeah well that would be like a healthy system i can feel you can you read my i can mind? feel me i can feel that you're feeling me and mm. so when one of those has changed where i can't feel you i can't feel myself or i can't feel that you're feeling me that's a, something's off in the field that's pretty high level though kinesthetic awareness Okay, so if I make it more elementary, it would just be like when you, when I get, have a little annoyance with you, let's say. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's Done. actually my fault. Yeah. It's actually me. It's the new spirit. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> and so if I can, I can be personally responsible for myself and mm. my stuff and know that you, let's say. Can I get this in writing? This is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> or for you, I don't know. We have so many examples from our personal life. We could use, let's say, like no need. It's it's, it's a <laughs> universal thought. Pattern. Whatever it is, it's not about you not doing the thing. It's about what it brings up in me. Right, right. And so that's then a clue. Oh, that's my trigger. He just unconsciously pushed the button because I wouldn't think that you intentionally do it. What is that saying? What do what do I need to address? How, it's all. It's all very personal responsibility, ownership of your own stuff. Yeah. And mostly what we're, we are conditioned to do is point the finger and project outward. And that's the othering that's happening of you're wrong and you're bad and I'm right. And us over here, we're right. Right. You're, you're, you're making me feel bad. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that going on these days. <laughs> And maybe, maybe trauma is kind of like in itself a loaded word because at times, absolutely, it can be hurt. I used to really not like the word trauma at all. The word trauma, like you're saying, because, would, well, would trigger me. Because it's such a breadth me. of experience, you know? And it's you're sort of saying like, yeah, these huge things can affect you, of course, but also such small, latent things. Well, it's a lot of it, there's a, there's a phrase called complex PTSD, which is Basil van der Riek and his work with... Um, the body keeps the score where it's not what happened to you, like, you know, violence, sexual violence, physical abuse. 
It's what did not happen to you and the ways that you weren't nurtured yeah. as a child. That's a lot of trauma. That I rings suffer true from a for lot me. of that. And I, my parents are awesome. I love them. I'm, it's more like the, the I grew up in a world that it felt like there's so much more and it's not being given to me or shown to me around me. And there was such a, a trauma to that. Even though like your basic needs are met, it's a knowing that <clears throat> there's more that should be going on in interactions, mm-hmm. in just everything. And you you succumb to, maybe every child goes through that. There's a kind of dream, a fantasy, or there's a reality that you're in that gets squashed at some point. As you get into school, yes. and you said, well, no, 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 it's got to be like this. No, you have to do this, actually, not that. Oh, no, that thing's not real. So it's not real. Sorry, buddy. Um, no Santa Claus for you. Yeah. The other piece that ties into it is what's called transgenerational but dra- dragons trauma. are apparently Dragons real, are real. Yeah, and leprechauns. Yeah. Transgenerational. Is, uh, maybe. Transgenerational trauma is epigenetic in a sense. Yeah. And so what you're speaking to about feeling as a child, like something just feels kind of off and I don't know what it is. How that plays out in the transgenerational is like your parents are traumatized. So they're holding a field of trauma, what's not spoken, the way that they interact, the way that they behave, that right. they're unconscious of. And they're creating a field for you where you just feel like something isn't fitting and you don't know why because it's not spoken to and it's not consciously acknowledged. And then that goes back generations and generations of, I mean, I think about, this might be a little difficult to talk about, but just even like we come from the generations, our lineages are of the colonizers, right? And imagine if you go back, what that took for, let's say, those of our ancestors who crossed the ocean, right? Like, how did they get here? What was that like? What was that like for them to leave their homeland? A lot of them probably came as indentured servants. I know my line did. life sucked. I mean. Right? So that just even, one, leaving home and place and then coming to a new home and place and then having to have the blinders on or the level of consciousness that would allow you to subjugate others and the disconnect of just human to human yeah and there's there's uh arms of that still many today right and that's you could say from the past and yes. you think about if if we have the baton it's been passed to us down the generations and we're now incarnate and it's time for us only only those incarnate in a sense can do the work that echoes across the future and past generations and that's why it's so valuable to be alive and incarnate because your choices matter across generations that's just something i feel no it's true and it's true but then you also think about like if you're carrying in a sense the baton of generations upon generations of uh mistakes trauma just learning let's put let's say learning yeah uh, then it makes even more sense to me when you get into the psychedelic state why it's sometimes so profoundly the grieving or the mm. intense or the enormity of all that karma, essentially. Mm. It's just, it's not that that's bad karma. It's just saying it exists. It's cause and effect. And if you could argue in some ways we're living in the manifestation of all those choices, which have been real dark a lot of it. And a lots of beautiful choices that aren't, you know, of course. And it's all there. And and it's just to say, like, it's it's also this perfect, beautiful design. Uh, but I'm just saying there's a lot of motion to it. 
of that cause, that yin yang cause and effect. And you can really tap into it. It's like, I don't know if you ever had that experience, like on uh, in a psychedelic state, where you almost sense like the infinite generations around you and the grief, or of like just the 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 enormity of just law. You know, it's just like wow. I mean, whew. it's humbling. But maybe that's something we're picking up on. It's that generational, fully, yeah. fully, and then to honor the ancestors in another way. Our ancestors. For us to be here, for you to be incarnate right now, they were baller. They were such survivors. They were so smart, you know, the things that they had to do to survive so that we could be here. Lines of really smart, kick-ass survivors. They probably were like, I can't go to my <laughs> event because the government says it's like, they're like, uh, the Mongols are like, I kill you or you join me and I'm taking your family. So much suffering and yeah. so much perseverance. So yeah. much perseverance. But the thing I feel like when there, there was a, a question that when I was doing the work with Thomas Schubel, he asked something like, what are like the three most what are the three qualities you got from your ancestors? What would you say that you've inherited? This is a question I'll ask well, you. Well, it's, it's easy to look at like your parents and then go back like that, you know, less what of a guessing you say? game. Uh, pers discipline, mm -hmm. perseverance, mm -hmm. and honesty. Mm -hmm. The perseverance and the discipline, something along that, like a flavor of that is for everybody. Hard work, dedication, perseverance, discipline like yeah. you can't we you could not have survived without doing that and so that's kind of like that hyper fixated type a like go 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 mentality yeah. we've all inherited that because we wouldn't be here otherwise but we need to like unwind from it too that it's actually causing us to miss out on other pieces of life and that it, you just summarized essentially the conundrum of being human is that we are these animals who are, have evolved with some really wonderful qualities that we've evolved, like what helps us survive and work. Mm -hmm. But then we're also able to be have spiritual consciousness and agape, I you know, feelings and Creativity. brotherly love, all this stuff and jokes and all this. So we have Levity. this breadth of ability, which you know, going back to 2012. I remember uh, those old books speaking to like, that's what makes the human being so special. And that's why various beings in, I'm really going to go for it now, <laughs> various wait. beings in higher dimensions uh, think we're so interesting and fascinating. Why they like to sit essentially in the bleachers, all these UFOs and watch us is because it's <laughs> like, we are like these little avatars. It's like, oh my God, like they're dogs essentially. And they're also <laughs> like us, you know, they can have all this cosmic consciousness. And that's really interesting and tricky. It is. And so, you know, that's what we're carrying. And I think a lot of us feel that. And in some ways it's like, yeah, that's what it means. That's, yeah, we're human beings. But it's like, if you really step back from it, it is so crazy and amazing, like what it means to be a human being. And I'm not even looking down on other animals and saying they're lower than me. I think they just have a different experience. Just, just talking about the magic of being human. Yeah. Hell Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It's like naked, like fleshy. Like we're straight up animals, you know. Like animals. The, we, you push our buttons the right way. We all know from psychology experience. We are we will animals. Punch you. Or whatever you you know or the we'll sexual needs you. or the or, food needs yeah. or the punishment <laughs> needs. It's all there, you know. Just the right stresses. Mm -hmm. So it's like 
that's why, you know, people take their supplements and they have to do their yoga. It's all just like keep the animal, you know, Mm -hmm. domesticated, Mm -hmm. but free Mm -hmm. at the same time. Well, that's a great piece of knowledge to carry with you at all times is the fact that you are an animal. Yeah. Because if you could keep that in the the front of your consciousness. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I'm an animal. There's different breeds of dogs. You're you know, an animal different too, needs. Sweetheart. Are you a bulldog? Are you, you know, are you, mm-hmm. What kind of dog would you be? <sighs> or should I say, which, what kind of dog are you? Let's start with what you're not. You're not well, a lab. I'm not a lab. <laughs> <laughs> I see how we say that because you have you really just like when you think I don't like big labs dumb dogs pushing on me. I mean, I love labs, but yeah, you like think it's like because they they're kind of like they Ugh. put their nose in you looking for affection. They're always just like pressing on my body go they're kind of a bull in a china shop yeah they're but, and they're kind of I, not I, that smart that's no, not true that's not true okay well i've met very yeah there's there are oh. not smart labs but typically they're they're pretty they're fair they're medium bright typically medium okay. medium yeah medium i mean bright. they have incredible focus when you get the ball thing going yeah that's like you know that's turning on that's like a superpower of theirs though true you know, you know it's like you have to turn well, it what on. dog would you be i would be a mm. cat actually can i be in the cat I think family I'd be like a husky all right you be a husky i'm gonna be a feline well that breaks the rules of the game but uh yeah but there's cat or dog people all right well we know that that's true i know but i was trying to go with breeds if i had i don't know i a, a border collie no, I think you'd be um, kind of like Pepper. Uh, oh, one of our... please. <laughs> a mini long-haired Dotson. Well, I'd be a wiener dog that's like super untrained and unruly no, and bites nothing people. Nothing to do with the training. No, God. I mean, because she likes to, you know, be on couches and laps and it's very sweet, but also it's kind of a princess and like, kind of bright. I'm not a princess. You're right. You're not at all. No. How no, dare you? No. Okay, you'd be an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people say they're spirit animals. I'd be it's a like, dragon. I'm an eagle. I'm a dragon. I'm a bear. No one's like, I'm a shrew. <laughs> Plankton. You could be a dragon. I could see you being yes. a pretty badass dragon. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll just land on that. Inner dragon. Um. So anyway, that was us talking about what's going on and the artists that won't be spoken to uh, without talking about it, which I think, is, I think that's a better indication of... It, it's in some crazy way, it's a symptom of this larger change, like the pandemic itself. And I know that's a crazy statement, but it's just yet another like large milestone, just like the fires, the forest burning down and like the, the, the storms washing things away well, and the- our even even like our economic uh, Tower of Babel. It's they're all symptoms. It is a symptom of collapse i agree with that and and hubris but more importantly of of change of growth it's you know the only way for us to to grow is to molt like a skin the only way you know there's no way we're just gonna like the snakes like i can't just put on a different skin i have to get rid of the old one to grow a new one it's and i think we know that on a level it's sort of like charles eisenstein's book the ascent of humanity is uh one of his first books this basic argument that the path we're on, uh, it's the only path. Like, so in some ways it's beautiful because it's the only way we can get to that age of reunion, as he calls it. How do you feel about that? Tell our listeners what comes up for you. (laughs) (laughs) The only way that we can get to the age of reunion is through this path that we're on and it's all perfect. 
I can vibe that. And, and and horrible, but I mean, it's it just is. It's kind of right. like I can we lit a fuse. The just isness. I feel like it's a war in consciousness. But what if you took the war part out and it's more like it's? I do feel like it's that. Like, it's it a kicking like and a screaming teenager that's growing up. Well, it's I, not a war. It's well, like how it's a battle for attention. Like it's a battle for your mindset. It's a battle for your beliefs, and I feel like the beliefs and the mindset and the vision that you hold is what shapes the future that we're walking into. I agree with all of that. I'm putting forth the thought experiment. If we take the word battle or war out of it to recognize that there's not an, it's not the othering. It's just sort of like a natural process. It's like, yeah, people are uh, vying for attention in nefarious ways. Absolutely. But am I at war with them? Well, I'll use the, analogy of the yin yang right the light and dark polarities what is this yin yang you speak of <laughs> the yin yang is a taoist symbol are you that speaking of tnc surfwear <laughs> the beginning source of consciousness mm-hmm. like like the hunab ku and so it's consciousness the beginning source of consciousness i love that phrase because it's like before all of this existed it was a balance just was in harmony shifting but swirling in harmony with on the dark side there's a seed of what is light and on the light side there's a seed of what is dark and they don't exist without each other is essentially one of the big takeaways you can't have light if you didn't have dark because you only know them through their opposites but i feel when i'm using that analogy there's there's duality where it's either or it's either dark or it's either light is one way or you want to shift into non-duality where it's neither light and it's neither dark it just is like you said a moment ago things just are and when you can hold the space of non-duality you're seeing the perfection in it all the perfection and the darkness and the perfection and the suffering as well as in the lights. And again, it just is because one couldn't be without the other. You can't separate the two. It's only when you have the dark is worse than the light mindset that you then get into duality that are opposing. They're against each other versus working in harmony one, one to create each other. other. Right. That's the, the non-dual the approach. Exactly. So I think when we can hold the non-dual... I feel way more settled and less agitated internally. It's only when I get into the duel, which is my judging mind. And that's what brings me down. I think part of what happened to me recently was just like the traveling that we were doing, which we haven't done in a long time. Touring. Yeah, we're back on the road. And when I'm in airports and I'm surrounded by the sea of humans, I it's depressing because my judging mind is like, ugh. What the heck is... They're in my way. Well, not yeah. the way. It's just, there's so many of us. So much toilet paper. <laughs> there's so many humans. We don't need this many humans. We're definitely doomed. We We're using all these resources. Look at all this disposable plastic silverware, mm. you know, whatever it is. And that's my mind in that moment. Wherever they're going, is it's judging. totally unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging it. I'm projecting a no and an assumption. And when I'm in that place, that's division that I've just created internally. Whereas yeah. if I were to just be like, 
in the flow and accepting, it's all beautiful. And I don't know. I don't know where you're going, but I'm sure it's perfect. And you ah, have an, so. Ah, so. Exactly. Ah, so. And this plastic silverware, it's going to get composted eventually. Everything gets composted. The earth is amazing. One day we'll be inside uh, the supernova of the entire sun that will go past Jupiter. Can you imagine that? I can imagine. I mean, we, probably, imagine we won't that. be around, but uh, this earth itself will be consumed back into its mother. And then one day that sun will supernova and explode and create more and more uh, fine elements, the creation of all these uh, elements of our periodic table. And then it will go again and go again and go again. And it's all temporal. But it's just this wonderful campus. You know, I think it just feels like the tuition's getting a little higher every year. And we're all just like, man, what happened to my scholarships that I felt like I had when I was five? Well, like we spoke of in the beginning, I feel like all of this is actually in some ways great that people are going deeper and going into the shadow and doing a deep reckoning, which we're doing on a collective scale with all of, you know, the social justice work that's at such a forefront. Like that's shadow work that's happening yeah. because as a country and a collective, we're going deeper and can now face that and actually talk about it together. That's a good sign. Yeah, It's going to be painful and awkward going through it but what healing is on the other side of it so that's why we need those cheerleaders to say we can do this because it's inevitably there's no way for it not to be messy and mistakes to be made Uh, there's no way well like you said school and learner having the attitude of learner even for myself like i don't have the answers and i'm gonna make mistakes and i can be okay with that versus the survival trauma mindset that we're all raised with of like if you get the answer wrong, you're wrong. And you're, and you're done. They kick you out of school. Yeah. You can never go back to school. And there's a winner and a loser. <laughs> and there's, there's a first place and you want to win. It's like, well, that, that in itself is a faulty mindset and belief system. Like if I, if I can just feel like I can make mistakes and I'm not afraid of that, I'm not afraid of being kicked out of the community because I made a mistake and I'm not going to kick you out because you made a mistake, there's a sense of then safety there. Yeah. And we can now learn together. There is a basic instinct to not want to be kicked out of the tribe. You That's would die. The, yeah. And so when that happens, when we do that these days, I think we know on a certain level, this is one of the worst things we can do to you is yes. to uh, excommunicate you. Cancel. Right. That's the modern term for excommunication. It's the digital excommunication. But that mm-hmm. is that is the main kingdom now is the newsphere is the, <laughs> is the internet uh, it's the digital landscape of our lives which is a huge part of our connectivity it's the connective tissue of who we are and so when, when we're like say you know not you know we'll excoriate you on it if you're on it and if you're off it please just disappear essentially uh, it's cruel it really is cruel and in a lot of ways it's passing it's like it's dodging. It's dodging what's at hand. It's like, well, it's clearly, uh, we all have then, now it looks like it's triggering various traumas here. So it's like, do we want to grow and learn together or do we want to just avoid it and put mm-hmm. make more traumas? Mm-hmm. It's harder mm-hmm. to, you know, dig in there and learn and like, because you don't always know. You're like, well, I don't know why I feel this way or I have no clue how to like not feel this way. That's why it's called your shadow because you it doesn't have form and you can't see it and you don't really know it. It's sneaky. You don't know. 
you I, I mean my parts of my shadows that i've discovered i i was so unaware of mm. such as <laughs> a lot let's just say but i'm becoming more and more aware but just to hold that space for yes you don't know you don't know what it is and someone else might be able to see it right from the outside looking in but it's not the same. Oh, trauma, trauma, trauma. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm just saying for myself. It, it is. I know it just like this is going. I sort of sympathizing with you about how we're we're tired. We're tired. You know, and in a lot of ways, like this work is great. But let's be honest, like you got to have times of nourishment or reflection. Fully. And we're kind of being hit all the time now. And so I think for a lot of us, we are just like edgy and exasperated. Yeah. I have a good friend who's going through a healing journey. A, a healing crisis, right? And there's a tendency for that person who has done a lot of personal work to then turn the healing even into personal work. Like, for example, what can I learn about myself or what traumas am I healing through healing my body in this way, etc. And I want to, I've been saying to them just like, just, you don't need to figure this out too. I felt like that when just, I broke my arms. Just heal yourself. Yeah, Just yeah. heal your body, I mean. Like just work on getting your body without having to tie it to how I can also become a better human at the same time. Because yeah. that's exhausting. It's a lot of pressure. It's tons of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Just to, to speaking to that gentleness that you said, we should be giving ourselves, we really should. We should be giving ourselves a lot of gentleness. Well, um, as we round the corner here, you know, I was thinking about gentleness with, as we were getting back on the road and it's, it's even like everything is full of contradictions, right? Of course. And that's another example where I, I was having this feeling like, is, does it, you know, like, do we need to do all this stuff like the airports and all the gear and all the things we do to, to it, it's incredibly nourishing when you do it. But at the same time, I'm like, would it be equally as valuable for me to go pet a cat? You know, as far as the universe is concerned? No. Why? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, don't I know. would. Well, I, I speak, I say no with such conviction because I'm reminded of the Bhagavad Gita, which is Krishna's big main epic tale in the Hindu mythology where Arjuna is a charioteer and he's about to go into battle, which is like your form of airplanes and gear. Like, do we need to do this? And he says to his charioteer, Arjuna is a, what's a crossbow guy called? An archer. archer. An archer. Um, do I need to do this? Same question. Should I do this? Wouldn't it be better if I just went home to my family and pet a cat? And Krishna says to him, the whole tale is Krishna talking to Arjuna about his dharma. And he says, you know, dharma is like your life's path, what you're here to do in the world, your life's passion and service. And you have to do your service. Doesn't you he also say do he doesn't it. want to kill his friends? Arjuna says that. Yeah. And he says, it doesn't matter. That's still part of this dharma. It's still part of this play. That's like me saying, right I don't want to, I don't want to hurt the planet by traveling. I don't want to, right. you know, I, and I, 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 there's all these things that I'm like, there's no 
perfect answer. Uh, well, your dharma is East Forest, is performing, is giving those moments that we just did in the ceremony concerts of deep healing and connection and gentleness. Like you're providing a place for people to come and lay down for a couple hours and receive you and your transmission. But you the see personally, it's not sorry to interrupt you, but it's embarrassing. And so I'm saying... You What's embarrassing? Well, look, you see, though, how that also bleeds off to you in the stress that I feel or the cost. There's a cost. There is a cost. There's a physical cost. There's an emotional cost. And an energetic cost is really big. And I don't, I'm not down, I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. It's not at all. That's sort of also like, it's honorable to put will in and say, look, yeah, you know, we have to chop some wood. We got to like uh, pick up this, you know, it takes work. Well, your dharma is East Forest. And when you say like, yeah, babe, but it causes you a lot of stress because I get super grumpy and like edgy and, you know, peaked out before I perform and that's hard on you. That's true. But because I have self-awareness, I don't take it personally. And it's like, oh, here's this moment the day before the show where things get hard. Okay. This is hard moment. And I'm not needing anything from you because I know in that moment, my role is to be of service to you and help keep you grounded and clear and calm and get you to the I'm stage for that. and get you to the stage. Be and I see it all. It's, it's I a can kind see of it all. Focusing of the energy in which the closer you get, the more you're focusing in sort of like keeping a pot on simmer you don't want to you don't want to drop the energy but you don't want to you don't want to boil yet and you, you you have less and less bandwidth for the other things and i mean it gets to be like everything you know like conversations uh think tasks it's just like everything starts to pull away from that as focusing slowly narrowing in and then you do the event and it's you can release it all into the event and then it feels like such a release yeah afterwards because like oh it was just that, right. a release. So I've been through that, what you've just described with you, so many times that it's not new. It's just like, this is the formula. We'll get through it and it'll be beautiful and you'll recalibrate again. But there's an intensity to it for you on the front end that I hold a lot of space for to yes, assist. You do. No, and I'm so, very grateful. Um, it's fine. That's part of my just dharma. Just talking about That's, it makes me feel like stressed out. <laughs> That's what yeah. Radha does. Radha and Krishna, I'm just, <sighs> I'm helping you, babe. It's okay. And you, you know, so, so is it worth it? It, whether or not it is, it's your dharma. And I think if you stopped doing it, you were, you would be quite unfulfilled. It's 11-11 right now, by the way. That's Maharaji saying, continue, Love Krishna. this woman, That's he's saying. Yes, I love you. I thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And, and, you know, we, I, do things for you in different, similar ways, you know, but we all support each of other, of course. And, and we can witness these, these swings and recognize them for what they are in a sense. It's the, the meat body and the mind body and the soul body coming together for various tasks and, uh, recognizing as part of that's my animal sense, right? Like that's part of, um, you get afraid. Exactly. Well, it's the animal like starting to be like, I need to back myself into a corner because I'm vulnerable and I need to like get my energy because I'm going to have to go on this big run or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a kind of protecting a marshalling of, of energy because you know what you need to do with that energy in the near future. I get it. Yeah. I see it. 
I witness it. You work through it. And yes. I've been dealing with this shit though for like, because I felt the same thing back in like graduate school and even high school and before that when I was doing um, acting and that same feeling of like nervousness essentially and getting, it's weird to get used to getting nervous. It doesn't mean you don't get nervous. You do get nervous. You just get very used to that feeling as uncomfortable as it is. It's like, here it is again. And it's that stepping back and saying, I know this will have a process instead of attaching to it and saying like, I'm fucked or, you know, yeah. uh, flipping the table over, running out, which I have those feelings. I know you do. <laughs> but I just learned to sort of watch them and be like, oh, there's that feeling. Precisely. And then take a breath. Yeah. You know. And you do things, you have many tools and many techniques to help you navigate that. Like, it's like a storm, you know, you're taking the ship through the storm. Yeah. And it's, again, it's your dharma, it's your purpose. Krishna, one of my favorite lines in the Bhagavad Gita is he says to Arjuna, it's better to do your dharma imperfectly or not well than to try to do another person's dharma and do it well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's it's really helping you to just be true to you. Because I think that we can do a lot of projecting. Like if I were like that person, if I had that success, if I made music like that, not that you oh, say yeah. that. The comparisons, yeah. The, the comparison. Mother of all, the mother of all fuck-ups. The comparison yeah. where it's like, they've got it, I want to do that. Which is what most, what social media is. I mean, that's the devil in it is the comparison. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's inherent in just looking at it all. It's sort of like looking at pornography. It's like, well, you're just seeing it all. You're seeing all these lives through filters. And that will have an impact on you. It takes a pretty Jedi mind to be like, I am not comparing my life to any of that. I mean, you just kind of are. Your brain is. Mm -hmm. And we do it with all, that's what all advertisement is. You know, so it's a form of personal advertisement. You know, we're all our own PR agents now. <laughs> and that's another form of vying for our consciousness, how we're doing it to each other on social media. We do it for each other. And then we take also like just our simple passions and joys and commodify them where it's not just for me to make my art, for example, or garden or be a mother or whatever. You know, a lot of us then take it to like, and now I'm posting. So it's about the showiness of what used to be just well, a passion for myself. And for those of us who who are like, who are like doing it in commerce where I, I actually am commodifying it. Then it's like the imperfection and the perfection of like, you're inside a system that's broken, but you have to be inside the system to be relevant essentially in speaking to the, the system. Is you know, that true? Uh, well, I don't have to, but if let's say I was completely outside the system, which is largely impossible. But if I was like, there's, there was no, I, I was on no DSPs, like Spotify's and Apple's. I had no, I, maybe it was just a website. And even then it would be, maybe it was just that. Like you just make music and it's just available somewhere to press play or download. Um, sure. I guess you could do that. Uh, I like, I was just not even have a website. So just be me here. But then how music. would we know when to come see you? That's my point. You. you have to be in a system. The system. And I think that's the, the the tragedy and the beauty of the time we live in is that that in a sense summarizes uh, the conundrum we're in as people right now today. It's like 
you need to walk inside this composting, dying world while growing something new at the same time, while doing all the modern things we do. And it is a tall task. And we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. It's not easy, but... Well, we I, are we, doing it. It is happening. And so it's, it's, a, it's a recognition that it, it can be done and we can do this. And we just need to tell each other sometimes, like, you know, you can do this. You can do this. Yeah. I think the, the main reminder that I'd like to put out there, too, in the we can do this is let it be a wave. Like, you're not going to do it. We're always going up or peaking. It's not going to be all this. It's going to go like this. That's just the nature of reality. So when we can do this, it's like active, passive, active, passive, resting, going. Let yourself ride the waves. On that note, I think that's a beautiful place to pause and end for now. Okay. 